Hey everybody, you're listening to another episode of Big Shiny Takes, the world's only anti-free speech podcast. It's 2023, and I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Wickham, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend Jeremy Appel. Hello. And my other friend Marino Greco. Also, hello. And... We are joined by a person who actually prefers to be called Dr. Movies, Evan McDonald from Kino Lefter. Evan, hello. Hello, big shiny takers. It's me, Dr. Movies. I'm here to give a prescription for what's going wrong in our cinematic lives. And sometimes, uh, doesn't it feel like the newspapers are movies? Anyway, I'm also here. <laughs> the last Kino standing. True. Yeah. 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 They can't kill me yet. Um, well, I just wanted to say before we, we, we get to our topic, which I'm sure is very important, that I had the privilege of seeing Avatar The Way of Water with Doctor Movies. And yeah, it was it's a great film. Honestly, one of the all-time greats. It, it was a wonderful experience, a perfect film. Jimmy Cam has done it again. We're nearing its $2 billion mark at the box office, and we're going to watch Avatar movies until we die. You know, it's so strange. I saw Avatar 2 with a Kino alumnus, actually fellow by the name of Abdul Malik. I don't know if you guys have ever shouts to Ab- shouts to Abdul. We're all drawn together by the power of powerful cinema. So, <laughs> it's understandable. <laughs> it truly is a beautiful thing. Uh Marino, did you see this movie? Should we stop talking about the movie? No, I saw Avatar 1 on a small LCD 10 years ago and that's about the extent of my avatar knowledge although i don't know this new one's getting a lot of hype uh, i don't have any kino alumni local in bradford ontario unfortunately so i think my hands are tied i simply cannot see the movie at this time i'm taking the train right now i will take <laughs> via rail to get there um i uh uh have you have any of you seen it again have any of you gone for a second mm-hmm. dip into i have yeah me too i have really? we were gonna go for round three tonight but we were too sleepy so i because i haven't seen it in imax <laughs> yet that's one of the goals is i want to check it Yo, out on I'm, imax I'm, see if it's good i'm in for round three uh lauren and i saw it uh for round two last weekend mm-hmm. and oh man it was so much man sigourney weaver so man what's the character's name Kiri. Kiri, she's the best. Everyone's favorite child, so Kiri. Cool. It's so true that the way of water connects all things, and I think it's really important to reflect on. I love Avatar discourse. But the way of the water is not the only thing that connects us. We're also connected by um, an increasingly shitty news cycle. Mm. It's so true, though. Yeah, it really is. It affects us all. Oh, well, it affects us. It ruins our moods. Uh, well, because... on Pandora, there is sort of a hive consciousness, right? Because all life is connected. Right. They can all plug into the their sacred trees and stuff. So that's sort of like going on the computer, right? Where we plug in yeah. and instead of like seeing a beautiful vision of like our ancestors telling us everything's going to be okay, it's someone going like, well, this issue is quite complicated, but I think we should liquidate the poor into a sort of insure type situation. Yes. And so I feel like you're kind of hinting towards the great and powerful thinker uh, Matt Gurney's piece that got published a couple hours ago on Doug Ford's surprise announcement that he will be opening up private healthcare facilities in Ontario that will be able to uh, do surgeries. Matt Gurney, although very skeptical of Doug Ford, seems to agree with everything that Doug Ford says. Well, 
one thing's for sure. He does not support private health care. He doesn't think Doug Ford's going to do a good job. But here's why it could work. <laughs> Which is classic, classic Gurney talking out both sides of his mouth, uh, getting paid by Ontario uh, citizens to do so at uh, TV Ontario. Yeah, I mean, huge piece of dog shit. I mean, we covered one of his other uh, brain dead takes uh, last year with Nora Loretto when she was promoting her book, Spin Doctors. And I mean, this guy's a complete moron. I mean, he admits in the story, he's like, look, I haven't done my homework yet. Of course he has. But anyways, here's the here's the, the common uh, sense take. Here's the lowdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The common look. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, how does that get past an editor? Like, I know that he's buddies with Steve Pakin or whatever, so his shit probably isn't edited. But, I mean, he's just, like, a complete windbag. And really just a, 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 a really great symbol of, like, how gross the Canadian media is. I mean, by his own admission, he got his career started by uh, writing Barbara Kay a letter uh, telling her uh, how much he loves her columns. Yeah. Um, which people should remember because now he presents himself as just like, I'm just like a middle of the road kind of guy, real moderate. I'm just, look, I'm talking about practical solutions. And anyways, Barbara put him in, in touch with her son, Jonathan, who ran the National Post opinion page. And he got a job because he's that much of an ass licker. I respect the hustle so much. And I feel like if you're listening right now and you're like, how do I break into like legacy Canadian media? I would recommend following a similar path, but just do like a Tristan Hopper fan cam. And then uh, he'll be like forced to go like, that was so beautiful. Thank you so much. You get to write now. They give, they hand you over the keys and they say, all right, keep it between the mayonnaise and the mustard, bud. don't fall into the ditch. And you're like, okay, the white line and the yellow line. That's a phrase that my mom invented, I think. <laughs> and uh, you get to drive national opinion as far as it'll fucking go. Yeah, I mm -hmm. I think the piece that Gurney published today just shows his hand that he doesn't like he fundamentally doesn't understand why healthcare needs to be public. Of the three columns that we've covered on Gurney, or I guess two columns that we've covered from Gurney, one was the long-term care facility like falling apart is like proof that we need to invest more in our military. And then we had that that debacle about how like excess deaths are complicated and all those people were probably going to die anyway. So like maybe we shouldn't worry about it. And now we've got, hey, um, here's some hastily rewritten talking points from the conservative governments. Like in his piece, he even uses like the status quo isn't working anymore, which is like verbatim from the conservative party. Wow. Yeah, no, and he naturally uh, accompanied his TVO piece with a Twitter thread where he says absolutely nothing, which is his, uh, you know, very on brand. But uh, here's some highlights, right? He's basically saying we have to admit that the status quo has totally failed, which I mean, is true. The status quo has failed, but his idea of the status quo is um, like a fully funded public health care system. Um, but anyways. Everyone has some sanitized version of that admission, or they have some convenient scapegoat to blame for the failure, while insisting we could just fix the problem and all be, would be perfect if, you know, capitalized good people were running things. That is, as I say, absolutely bonkers. It's also a position nobody holds. 
a very convenient excuse for the healthcare system not working is actually the pandemic that we're pretending isn't happening anymore, right? It's it's kind of like the PCs use this crisis to push in something that they wanted to push anyways that they've been talking about doing for years. I would I would agree with you on the point that things have been defunded for years and years and years and the liberals before the PCs were running our healthcare system on a subsistence level. At least none of them used a global pandemic in order to like kind of, you know, shock doctrine their way into fucking gutting our healthcare system even more. Yeah, what Ford is doing is pretty obvious. Like it's just depressing. All I can say is that uh he insists that these changes are permanent. I'm no jurisdiction expert, I'm no Juno Dale or whatever, but uh I don't know, nothing's permanent. You're not permanent, Doug. And uh I don't know. Hopefully I don't know what but like when 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 are Canadians gonna reach a breaking point? That's my question. I mean, he is correct too, right? He says that uh across many decades, across many provinces which have been governed by many leaders of many different, uh, he says promises, but I think he means parties. Uh, the systems have all failed and been failing in generally similar ways. He doesn't say which ways those are, right? Because then that would give away the game that he would actually have to take a position um, that is counter to, oh, I guess we have to privatize. But I just want to highlight, um, this is classic. This is classic Gurney. This is, oh man. If you're convinced that Ford will destroy the healthcare system, gosh, I cannot tell you you're wrong. I can't. I can tell you that I've always had backup plans to get healthcare in the U.S. if urgently needed. And those were around when liberals were in office. Like, we get it, dude. You, you're a fucking rich kid who can afford private health insurance, like, in another country. The, like, good for you. But you're now, based on this, you're suggesting uh, changes to our public health care system that will impact a lot of people, but not you and your friends, who are, of course, the only people that matter when you actually boil down what he's saying through, like, the layers of sophistry. I just have to say, like, it... it I don't get offended very easily. I'm offended by his like statement that, oh, it it doesn't matter if we introduce more privatization to the healthcare system. Granted, some parts of Canadian health delivery are publicly funded, privately delivered, but we're not even going to get into the the division of that because Mr. Gurney is not operating on that level. He's just like, oh, healthcare is when I need a surgery, like my knee is fucked or something, <laughs> so I can. I can fly to Chicago or something and get that done. No, a lot. Okay. To be real, my mother had a very serious health incident over the holidays and I had to go to the hospital and I'm sorry, folks, they're still packed. It's people are lined up on stretchers in hallways, just coughing in agony. And I thought about like having a publicly funded, publicly delivered healthcare system is so important because it's like, okay, when your kid starts coughing and like turns purple, or something, you gotta go. You can't say, oh, well, you know, I'll hop on the jet and go to America to solve my health problem, or I can pay a few thousand dollars to fix this. Like, it's it's so ghoulish, right? And it's like, this is just a, like you were talking about his sophistry, Jeremy, like taking for granted that the Canadian healthcare system has failed, right? And it's like, 
in some respects, yes, the pandemic has proven a lot of failures, but what healthcare model globally is the success during COVID that we will want to model our system on? Like, that's the fascinating thing when these people are like, look, this has been a total failure. We have to do it my way. This thing that I'm just going to just suggest. So it's like, okay, you want American healthcare mm -hmm. because they handled COVID so well. And we're able to be ad adaptive and flexible and people got the care that they needed. Like, that's what you're talking about. Like, absolutely nuts. Like, the Canadian healthcare system compared globally pretty good in terms of health outcomes. Obviously, room for improvement. But, like, there are mechanisms that we, that governments don't touch because of it. Like, we, oh, we could renew the Canada Health Act. We could talk more about including prescription drugs or dental or vision. None of that. No, he's just like, no, I'm going to invent a guy who's like, I wish someone else was in charge of the healthcare system and then it would be delivered perfectly. Also, I want it privatized because all, all Canadians will have one ticket voucher per year to go to the US to get a surgery of their choice. We're talking crimes of the future stuff. You can get an organ taken out. You can get an organ put in. Um, and then you can fly back to Canada. That's free. That's what the government covers. That is what Matt Gurney wants. And I think he's a genius and I'm saluting him right now. It's infuriating to see in, in the fact that he gets away with it without ever having to like back up any of his ideas with any sort of concrete solutions. But that's that's kind of par for the course in Canada. There's a there's another guy that we've had to, <laughs> had to hear a lot about the last couple of weeks. Someone who I think you know, one of us in this conversation right now did a great job of embarrassing in a very public way. Uh, of course, I'm talking about uh, Dr. Lasagna, the food professor himself. <laughs> For those who don't know, he's a professor. His name's uh, Sylvain Charlebois. He's had some sort of controversies down in, in the university he worked at, but he uh, likes to think of himself as sort of the expert on Canada's food industry. So all about the supply chains and how the food gets to the grocery store. He also seems to be very, very defensive of the Weston family for reasons, but I, there's other people on this, this call that could probably talk more about this. Charlebois, as I like to call him, charlatan. Oh, <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, Sylvain Charlatan was at University of Guelph, went to Dalhousie University, was investigated for allegations of harassment and bullying. Not a lot has been reported on this. The, the CBC reported that there was this investigation. They then reported that the investigation was closed. The school was not going to do anything about it, but they were going to give him his own like agri-food lab, which is sort of his little fiefdom he runs now, that uh, publishes reports that, I mean, some are kind of interesting in sort of, can, you know, contain useful information about... Uh, increasing corporate profits, but then of course the conclusion he reaches is, whoa, whoa, this is nothing. This is nothing to do with food prices. These are totally separate uh, things. There's no connection. You're being hysterical. Why are you blaming, you know, one of the richest families in Canada? You idiots! Like, don't you understand that there are supply chain issues? Don't you understand that nothing's within their control? And yeah, it turns out that in 2018, he received cool 60K from the Weston Family Foundation. And I asked him about this on, on Twitter, you know, as one does. I mean, that's like the, the thing about Twitter that once it dies, we're never going to get back is the ability to 
tell public figures they're fucking frauds and have them see it and get really mad. Can't do that on Mastodon. Um, no. Yeah, and you can't. Yeah, you know that's something that I like. I don't think we're ever gonna have again once Twitter dies. But he was like, "Well, no, I haven't received any money from Weston personally." He added. Personally, I wasn't accusing him of like pocketing the cash. He said, oh, it was funding my grad students, like throwing his grad students under the bus, being like, no, 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 they're the ones who are corporate funded, not not me, the noble food professor. Um, And he said that the grant ended in 2017. But according to his CV, it started in 2018. So uh, that's weird. It's an interesting uh, omission. Maybe that's why his CV has been taken down off his faculty page on Dalhousie University. Oh, maybe. It kind of sounds like it makes sense. And I saw the one or two weirdos that actually stepped up to defend the food professor. I think like literally one or two people in all the replies of people, you know, laughing at this goofball uh, who's just so desperate to be like a, a talking head and like the leading expert on food is like super lame. But uh, they would get all defensive of the fact that academic grants, you know, they come from industry sometime. And like, that's that's OK. It's OK to get grants from from private industry. And it's like, that's not the issue. If he was just getting funding and being like um, a weird guy, like writing papers in defense of the Westons, that's an academic issue. The reason it's an issue for us is like he's going on the news and not disclosing the fact that he has mm-hmm. a relationship with these people that uh, provided him with like tens of thousands of dollars to do his work. Yeah, this dude's on CP24 like every morning. And I, like I, for me personally, he's just annoying. Well, he's on CTV like three times a week. It's... And apparently in French media, it's like just as bad, but <laughs> I don't uh, parle français. So. But but yeah, no, yeah, I, I remember one person, one of the first people to respond to me was like, what's the big deal? It's just like oil and gas companies funding engineering <laughs> research. It's just like, oh, my God, yes. So you totally get it. It is just yeah. like that. Yes. And that's that's the issue that we're speaking yeah. to. Marino, I, I do really agree with your point where it's like primarily for me, he's annoying. And that's something I can't tolerate. Right. It's like, yes, he goes like he goes on TV I the the Western funding is obviously icky, uh, but this guy seems like the the like perfect academic, right? Where he's accepted the school of thought where I am just here to understand systems, not how to improve them or if the systems are good or what forces have created it. Like I'm just here to I'm just here to be the guy who tells you how it is, but then he has this air of authority, one, and then two, his whole thing is going on TV to say everything's fine. And like, it doesn't matter that food prices here are going much higher than inflation by at least like, you know, five, six percent. Um, these grocery companies are having record high profits. And all we're told is, well, we shouldn't villainize success. They're doing really good. And we stand them, quite frankly. We stand Canadian small business owners like the Weston family. And like that, it's it's so craven that that's the the purpose that television serves. You know, we we can't every once in a while you'll hear from someone going like, "My whole family's starving," and then it's like, "Well, that's very interesting." But now we're going to check in with the food professor to see why that's normal 
and why it's actually you shouldn't actually worry about it by next year. I saw this stupid fucking tweet from him when it's like, oh, all the haters are going to be quiet when food prices normalize by the end of the year. And it's like, okay, so you have a crystal ball where you can see that food prices are going to go down. First of all, that's incredible. Like, I guess economics is real. Um, And yeah, every, and it's like, it's this stupid fucking like maligned attitude. Like everyone's going to, everyone's going to vindicate me. They're going to say food professor, we gave you a hard time, but you were actually a dangerous truth teller in the realm of burger. I don't fucking care. man. Like I go to the grocery store and it's too expensive. I don't need, that's it. It's too expensive. And while he he won't blame corporate profits or or any of these large companies that own, you know, like the two three large companies that own like all our like grocery store chains, what he who he does blame are shoplifters. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's saying that that is uh, actually what's making food prices higher, and it's going to get worse if we don't like start like I don't know like tasing people for stealing like a box of cereal, cutting their heads off, just clean off. Yeah, cutting people's heads off. That's a I. That's a solution we should keep on the table, but not for shoplifting. I'm not going to say for what <laughs> right now, but don't malign that. Yeah. So I don't think like people really have an idea of how much you would actually have to be shoplifting on a daily basis for it to affect food prices the way that the food prices have increased. That's bullshit, and here's why it's bullshit. They throw out so much of that food every single day. For him to even point that out is laughable, and everyone gave him shit for it on Twitter, and then he tweets today, like, doubling down with that haughty attitude that Evan was just pointing out, and it's just like, dude, like he, he'll, he'll block you for nothing, too. He, he can't take criticism. He's just a loser, well, in my opinion. After he blocked me on my account... I went to follow him from the pod account, instant block. Which is funny because he went on. Uh, he went on friend of the show, uh, Dean Blundell's <laughs> oh, uh, like dude. YouTube channel, and he said, he, "Yeah." And and he he was like, you know, I don't know if you've seen. A lot of people are really angry. This guy wrote a piece about me. I don't remember his name. It's like. Why? Cap. So how did he know to block my podcast? I, I think he might have remembered. Followed him if he doesn't know my name. <laughs> I think he might have remembered. Yeah. Also, like anybody who who saw that interview, if you watched the Dean Blundell show and you also listen to us, pick us. Don't listen to him. You, yeah, you actually, you actually have to pick yeah. one. Like if you listen to the Dean Blundell show or whatever he's calling it, like why? What? Like, you could listen to literally anything else. Listen to, listen to, you don't even have to listen to us. Listen to, like, Blowback or, or True and On. CBC Radio 2. Put your ear on your fridge. Like, just listen to it buzz. Like, fuck yeah. it. Honestly, like, pretend you're listening to something. Like, we can't be associated with Dean Blundell listeners. It's bad for our brand. I love just, like, socially, discourse-wise, this always works. It's like, okay... The global economy is experiencing a lot of shifts right now. Oh, the price of oil, war, inflation, that Joe Biden character in the White House who's tanking the economy and we need Trump back. That's a given. Everyone agrees with that point. Um, (laughs) The real, why are we seeing those macroeconomic changes? Shoplifting. Easy. (laughs) It's because poor people and people trying to feed their crying children steal a loaf of bread that's gonna fucking go bad anyway and they're going to put in the dumpster uh, and they build those losses into their budgets even though during this pandemic 
sky high profits shoplifting clearly hasn't been affecting it but now the food professor has detected a shift energetically at the grocery store he was walking through save on and he said jesus fucking christ i just saw a guy steal a pack of hickory sticks sir i'm gonna need you to hand those over right now he's deputized himself on behalf of the grocery stores to stop crime because crime is evil in all circumstances that's another incredible thing of his like this is like when you're in the fifth grade and you're like social studies teacher says like do you think crime is okay sometimes and people have to think about it and and the kids are like no i th- i think like you know that's bad you could go to jail for it and some people are like oh but what if you did something for a good reason that's like oh wow maybe crime and justice are two separate concepts he hasn't had that part of his development he's like no <laughs> Every law is good, especially ones about private property. Shoplifting is evil and wrong. You're you're essentially feeding your kid blood food, right? You did a horrible crime to get it. He has an incredible brain. Like, I okay, and this is important. He has a very comfortable existence as a very well-paid academic and fucking personality who's going to write a stupid book soon that's going to be a Heather's pick probably that's like the secret of food and why your your shelves are emptier than ever. And he just walks past all these people who are genuinely suffering in life. And he's like, I got my eye on you, buddy. You're making the price go up. Incredible brain. Yeah. I, I think you touched on a really good point there where like, this is a person who has been incredibly well rewarded by the system and the structures of power that sort of make up this country. And he's one of eight talking heads in this fucking country. And like, he has nothing good to say. Yeah, it's like, it's like why? Surprise, it's surprise. like, what are you doing to change things for the better? What is your utility to the public other than like, fuck, like, like it's just self-serving. He's the food cop. He's the food cop. Like it, it's just, it, it does not surprise me that he is so willing to go to bat for the system because he benefits from it so greatly and we have that system in place like he's just an asshole who calls himself the food professor it's like a batman situation if batman eradicates all crime (laughs) he ceases to need to be existing there thank you for bringing this back to comics and sorry this is something i was also thinking about eric canada is one of the only countries you can get away with by calling yourself like the blank professor or like the money guy or like Mm -hmm. because granted there's very few of us here right but we Mm -hmm. have this uncanny ability to produce academics who are like you know i'm i'm the i'm the population guy i go on ctv every weekend to tell you why you should be concerned about earth having eight billion people here's what you can do to you know have less children we're just that country and nobody yeah. cares, right? Because I'm sorry, it's only old people watching TV now, and they love it, or they don't <laughs> care. It's just it's on at nursing homes. That's who the food professor is talking to. He's talking to people at nursing homes who are already mad at the poor, and they're like, you know what? Fuck shoplifters. I agree with you, food professor. <laughs> and I hope he soon, because of you, Jeremy, turns into a cancel culture moment where he's like, I was a victim of cancel culture in the academy, probably because you know he hates his grad students or something. And I'm a victim of cancel culture because people are viciously attacking me for saying I love expensive food. Because, sorry for having taste, I like pricey things. <laughs> well, didn't, wasn't he, I, it's hard to know because he's blocked me and the podcast. They're not my other podcasts. <laughs> Got you, buddy. Yeah. Uh, wasn't he complaining about the wokes um, going, defending uh, petty theft? Yeah, I think he retweeted some conspiracy theory guy who was like, 
ah, uh, the the woke people uh, hate him. Or maybe he just maybe he's a guy who just retweets all criticism or everyone agreeing with him. And he's like, oh, you can't tell what my position is because I've thrown up a smoke screen on the battlefield. Maybe he's trying to confuse us in the fog of war. That's like the Andrew Coyne specialty, but he only ever retweets like insults. Adam, he'll never, if you have like a valid critique of him or like, hey, remember uh, what you wrote about the Iraq war and how everyone who's against it needs to be deplatformed, but you also think the People's Party of Canada needs to have a platform, he won't engage with that, right? None of these guys engage with good faith criticism. And then so you make fun of them and attack them personally, which is a lot of fun. They're just like, look at these people. They don't even have an argument. All they can do is insult me. And it's like, it's like, it's very selective. Yeah. Well, honestly, like I can tell that your, your piece really cut deep because eight minutes before we started recording, the professor tweeted out conflict of interest, question mark read this and he links to a thing that is like semi-critical of uh of loblaws and then he he retweets that that tweet and he goes this article and the hand emoji pointing down go and he says was published when my postdoc was getting paid by the weston foundation was never invited back afterwards but nobody bothered to ask <laughs> He's so mad. It's great. Uh, oh, and I will say, I will say a little preview. Uh, there's a lot more where that came from. So uh, stay tuned. Um, now, I think Evan, uh, you, you know, alluded to that Canada is a country where we just venerate oh, yeah. these, 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 you know, charlatans and grifters who have like letters beside their names, right? And I think Shaobois is the most prominent Canadian academic in the media, except for uh, uh, one guy. And that guy is someone named Jordan Burnt Peterson. The Phantom of the Opera himself, Jordan Peterson. Also, uh, he tweeted out a great graphic uh, <laughs> yesterday or the other day. Did you guys see that? No, I didn't. No, I don't. I'm not. <laughs> okay, a, so it was a graph of like carbon emissions in Canada and it goes down and then it goes up a bit and he circles it at the end and is like, this is where there's supposed to be, you know, catastrophic effects of climate change. Like eat that like woke, like green left. And uh, the thing about that graph was it ended in 1885. <laughs> you know, he has legions of followers saying that this guy is like the smartest person in human history, right? Yeah. Like he's he's a prophet. He's he's genius. He's an expert in in history, in psychology, in politics, chronology, in, tennis, uh, you know, biology. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he's adored across the world by incredibly stupid people. And I'm very sorry if anyone listening to this likes Jordan Peterson, but like you have, I'm going to tell you now you have been tricked. He tricked you. You are gullible. <laughs> you got, you got uh gazumped by uh, an increasingly unhinged man. Yeah. And, um, you know, well, when he first came to prominence in 2016, right, his whole thing was like, oh, no, I have nothing against trans people. Some of my favorite students are trans. I just you can't make me use their pronouns. And no one was making him use anyone's pronouns. Yeah. Yeah. It was a completely manufactured grievance. 
it was a manufactured grievance. However, he at least was like cute about it. He was like, no, no, trans people, they're great. I just don't want their like, uh, they're, you know, it's just a small group of trans activists who are like Marxists that are trying to overthrow Western civilization with like gender neutral pronouns. And obviously, you know, there's some plausible deniability there if you're like totally gullible. Mm-hmm. But now, since he got out of his like benzo coma, I mean, he, you right. I mean, he was banned from Twitter for like misgendering Elliot Page and calling his physician who did his gender reassignment surgery a criminal. And then, of course, he did that video for the Daily Wire where he's a host now, um, which is interesting because I was told that he's not a right winger. He's just like a common sense. Like, Classical liberal. Middle of the road. But I guess, you know. Yeah, I guess Ben Shapiro's moved a bit left, but and he's given um, us so many great sound bites. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but 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 he uh, he he did a video for them responding to uh, his uh, banning from Twitter, which of course Musk brought him back, like one of the first things he did. And that was the video that was famous for him being like, "Up yours, woke moralists," and uh, you know what rules you sons of bitches. But he also. I mean, it's just like complete sophistry, you know, I, I trying to be like, oh, I have no idea. I have no idea why I was banned. Like, it's it's a mystery. Like, how, how what, Elliot Page, Elliot, is Ellen, is it he, she, they? I, I don't even know. It's so hard to parse, right? And then he was like, now, as for saying their doctor was a criminal, like, I guess it wasn't because the Nazis performing medical experiments were also not criminals in that society. And, like, you can't say someone who says that shit doesn't have like a vicious hatred of transgender people and doesn't want them to fucking die. I do feel like pre coma, he was way more mask on, even though he was like, you know, if, if you misgender someone in Canada, you could go to jail. Like he was like saying shit like that once in a while, but now he's just like, (laughs) with this current fiasco, he's trying to pretend that he's being 1984 by the Ontario college of psychologists and i don't want to you know uh jump ahead too far but it really felt like this situation where he's being offered social media training by the supervisory group for his field he's trying to treat it exactly the same way that uh this hypothetical situation with these uh trans teenagers asking him to to use their preferred pronouns and I don't think it's as effective this time around. I mean, I think it isn't, isn't like, like the general public, like, I don't think has thought about Jordan Peterson since he would like disappeared and was put in a coma in Russia and then Serbia and then got COVID, which he doesn't think is a big deal. Right. But he's also become a right wing culture warrior, right? Like explicitly so. So the people who are plugged into that orbit, like really care about him now, right? Like that this, I mean, we'll get into it. I mean, the National Post has just been acting like this is like the most important story in the world. This is the biggest injustice on the planet. All the fucking usual cretins there, Rex Murphy, Conrad Black. Howard Levitt, his lawyer, who wrote two pieces, <laughs> neither disclosed that he was his lawyer, and then they added a disclosure at the bottom of the first piece, not the second yeah, piece. Yeah. Uh, just uh, this is like a you know this is a disgrace, an abomination. How dare you take this man's patience away from him? And and you know, you guys, do you guys know when he last saw a patient? I'm gonna guess 2017, maybe. I think that's a that's a really good guess. Yes, exactly. It was before 
Sylvain Charlebois started taking money from the West. <laughs> <laughs> That's how long ago it was. Um, I do want to bring up one thing. Uh, Eric, you mentioned 1984 and how, you know, Dr. Peterson is trapped. And it's very Kafka-esque. It's very Brave New World. Uh, he is on the animal farm. Uh, I'm very well-read. Um, so the, the year 1984 stuck out with me because, um, while a student at my alma mater, uh, the university of Alberta, Dr. Jordan Peterson studied there in 1984. Um, mm. and he was an avid writer for the school newspaper, the gateway. And I like to reflect mm. on these pieces every once in a while. What my, one of my favorite pieces from the dark professor is, uh, from March 13th, 1984, U of A not worth my while. Um, and it's this incredible mixture of him being like, so above it all that we'll see throughout the rest of his life while also being like an angsty teenager. I just want to give you a little highlight. Believe it or not, there are some of us out here who desire an education for whom marks and a job are not everything. We're the ones who deserve to be in university. I'll tell anyone who will listen of the incredible frustration I've encountered, and I'm not alone, at being forced to occupy my valuable time with some banal triviality sheerly to keep my marks up. Not to learn, mind you, but to keep those multiple choice marks high. It's farcical. But if I wish to continue my education, it's vital. Like, he's always been the most besieged man in history. Even when he has to go to school and go, okay, Jordan, it's time to check off one of four options. He's like, how dare you? Like, <laughs> do you know who I am? I'm future prize-winning psychologist and transphobe Jordan Peterson. We, I'm sorry, we haven't even mentioned the Twitter suit. Uh, th oh that style God. moment. Obviously, this is, an, <laughs> this is an audio program, but like he's completely like lost it. If he ever had it at all, it's gone. He lo he lost yeah. it in Russia. The great irony of Jordan Peterson existing is, is <laughs> that he is a self help guy who tells everyone to pick themselves up by their bootstraps and you know clean their room and get out in the world. And how are you going to make a difference if you haven't even sorted out your own shit? And at the same time, he is, like, to himself, he is the world's greatest victim. Like, no one has ever had it harder than Jordan B. Peterson. And it's so funny because this is, like, like a shitty sitcom writer would create a character like this. Like a evil Frasier of some sort. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's truly pathetic. And, like, watching Jordan Peterson kind of death spiral out in public this way literally yeah he's not gonna make it to like 2025 i'm just gonna say <laughs> that he's truly he's truly cursed by his own self-conception yes like would yes. You imagine th taking yourself that seriously grades me like i would have just like if i had a fraction of jordan peterson's fortune i just would have like just stopped working and just retreated from the public eye a long exactly. time ago he's just it's it's unfortunate no, he he uh, he can't stop himself. It's very compulsive. Like he, <laughs> do you remember like before he uh, his employees like took over his account and he was like tweeting nonstop overnight at Justin Trudeau and stuff. Like he, he can't help himself. Like the man is not well. Well, well, yeah, and he tweeted over a hundred times uh, in a day uh, <laughs> a few months ago, right? Like that that like. I mean, Donald Trump would tweet, what, like 50 times a day? Yeah. He was getting mad yeah. at Rachel Gilmore yeah, yeah. recently. Oh, yeah. yeah. That yeah, was yeah, incredible. Obsessively Jordan's on the wrong pills again, and, you know, God love him. 
Uh, it's happened to many of us, many such cases. But yeah, Rachel Gilmore, I remember I was following her during uh, like the convoy protests, and I was like, oh, it's nice to get her perspective, like she's there or whatever. And now just like for the crime of being a woman who also happens to be a reporter, she has to be like hounded by the dumbest people alive, one of whom is Dr. Jordan Peterson. And like, I used to think on some level, maybe this is my glass onion moment where I was like, no, Jordan Peterson has to be kind of smart, right? Like he has to be speaking to something, you know, he goes on all these tours, but it's like, no, it's just money, right? And it's just like, if you just get people angry enough, you will get money and attention. And then you can just keep getting people angry and you stay in the public consciousness. He's a very stupid person individually, right? Like he obviously has like, a very like maladapted sense of empathy and like you were saying he's very high on himself but like every once in a while you'll see the cracks where he's like i know i fucked up i have a problem and then he'll go back to being like justin trudeau is a cuban communist who is you know destroying our country i i pass it to you mighty food professor to see the truth of this like he he is also living in a metal gear solid like game that's the other thing right like he it he's not a QAnon guy, but he is convinced that there is a shadowy conspiracy led by Justin Trudeau to like personally victimize him. Yeah, I actually I'd like when he he puts on his tough guy persona because um it is very funny because he is a very flimsy wristed man. Um, oh yeah. Like a strong breeze would end his life. But he <laughs> he is also like I am an alpha masculinity guy. And I will challenge any of you to a fist fight. And it's like, Jordan, I come on. You can't do this. Like, look at your health. You need to rest. You need to stay home. But I think, like, if the knockout game were real, Dr. Jordan Peterson would never be able to write another book. No, he, no. <laughs> he's too fragile. He needs to wear a helmet, honestly, walking in public. Like, with the roads as they are, I don't want to risk it. His mind is too powerful and too precious. Now, why is Peterson being investigated by the CPO, the College of Physicians of On or Psycho Psychologists of the College of Psychologists of Ontario? Uh, he claims, of course, that it's because he criticized Justin mm -hmm. Trudeau and he retweeted Pierre Polyev. That's what Joe Rogan said on his like idiotic podcast. Yeah, the Joe Rogan hour for stupid babies. Yeah. The Joe Rogan, like, three hours for stupid Jesus, babies. But, so and, you know, to Pearson's credit, he released the full correspondence with the college. Now, he knows that his, like, drooling followers aren't going to fucking read it. But Rachel Gilmore did, mm -hmm. as did uh, Tyler Dawson at the National Post. And so, what was it? Was it was it that he criticized Trudeau? Was it the fact that he called a Sports Illustrated cover model ugly? Was it that he deadnamed Elliot Page and called their physician a criminal? Was it when he was arguing with some random account about overpopulation and he told them to kill themselves? Um, it's really, I mean... It could be anything, know. really. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, so how... So someone who conducts themselves in this fashion, I think one of the complainants who is a fellow psychologist said, if I did a tenth of what he does, I would be fired, yeah. right? And it's just that he has this entire army of, like, these angry, aggrieved right-wingers that the college 
hasn't done anything until now. And all they're doing is like, hey, just take this social media training course. And he's like, this is Marxism. Because <laughs> I, I think it's important that you said that, Jeremy. Like at any normal job, if you have one social media post, maybe, like let's say you're an anti-vax guy, right? And you make a TikTok going like, I know they're putting bugs in my arm. You're fired, right? Yeah. That's yeah. it. Jordan Peterson does that 300 times daily and he is untouchable. Right. And that's the other thing. He's a professional, right? Like professions in the world have governing bodies and rules that you have to follow. If you're a lawyer, if you're a medical doctor, there's a group of your fellows who sort of manage the profession. Uh, Jordan Peterson knows this. Um, and is not a practicing psychologist. The outcome of this, if if he is barred from seeing patients, it's positive for him because he can see, look, I've been the most canceled man in history. If nothing happens, it's still cultural Marxism because they're like, oh, they have a problem with my prolific writings, the most important documents in human history. Like, give me a fucking break. You are, you sound like Kermit the Frog he, well, he sounds like a combination of Kermit the Frog in, like, an old Kanye West sample from, like, the <laughs> mid-2000s, right? And, I mean, him and Kanye have uh, pretty similar it's, politics. It's, it's, yeah. Jordan Peterson writing through the wire when he's in Russia. It's like, granted, you can say what you want about the man. He did write through the wire. <laughs> through the wire while in a coma. Like, I'm seeing just... the photo montage of the music video right now, but it's like his daughter like putting like the steak in the IV drip for him. It can work. Oh, that's so funny. I can even I can picture him singing "Runaway." Yeah, he probably thinks that's about him. A beautiful song. Yeah. Bound to. Oh man, he would do the Bound to music video, but instead of Kanye and Kim, it would be him and his daughter, or like him and Eric Weinstein or something like. <laughs> we're just we're just two guys having fun on a motorcycle. What's wrong with that? Just him in a a like a giant copy of Fountainhead by Ayn Rand. Um, uh, I just want to say get, that oh, sorry, uh, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy came out right after my first significant breakup, and Runaway was about that. Okay, oh, so <laughs> yeah, it was there for you. Yeah. What's Kanye been up to recently? I I should check in. <laughs> no, don't bother. Don't bother. Okay. Uh, we should probably get into this piece because we're an hour into the recording, and uh, I think it is time. We're warming up. Yeah. And we've actually, we've got a very special guest uh, here today to read the piece for us. Who's that? Well, it's, would you believe it's Dr. Jordan B. Peterson? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I take back everything I just said. Doctor, I respect you. Please don't listen to this episode uh, later because we said some very mean things about you. Love your work, sir. <laughs> Thank you. He sounds like a Pokemon. <laughs> okay. Okay. So last time, uh, last time Jordan was on the, uh, on the Big Shiny Takes podcast, he may have extended the podcast because we had to take breaks because we were all crying laughing. So uh, I will do my best not to interrupt with my laughter. It's good. It's good. So excited. I don't even know why I'm joining a bunch of new Marxist cucks. 
<laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to I'm going to be right back. I'm just going to have to grab a drink. Hey, you guys ready? I'm as ready as I'll ever be. The practice of psychology. <laughs> okay. You guys have to mute yourselves. Okay. Yeah, I'll mute myself. The practice of psychology in Ontario <laughs> and in many other North American and Western jurisdictions is subject to regulation by professional colleges, essentially governmental organizations with a mandate to protect the public from misconduct on the part of physicians, lawyers, social workers, dentists, pharmacists, <laughs> teachers, architects, and many others, including and most relevant to me, political psychologists. Great list. I have to say, I was wondering what this voice makes me think of, uh, and I think you've perfectly encapsulated what the first squirrel who went to school would sound like. <laughs> I'm gonna sue you! There are limits to free speech! <laughs> I just love, I love that it's like him like scream crying. Like, no matter what he's saying. <laughs> Anyone, anywhere in the world can levy a complaint to these regulatory bodies for any reason, regardless of whether the complainant is hired in direct contact with the professional in question. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you're a public figure, fuckface. Literally the point of the organization. Like, dude, if you don't like it, why don't you just put yourself in a coma and go to fucking Russia? Yeah, hit that I reset. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Christ. <laughs> their respective colleges have the responsibility to determine whether each complaint is serious and credible enough to warrant further investigation. Complaints can be deemed vexatious or frivolous and dispensed with. When the college decides to move forward, it is a serious move, essentially equivalent to a lawsuit. No, it's not. <laughs> It's not essentially not. equivalent to a lawsuit. A lawsuit is the equivalent of a lawsuit. It's a completely different setup. And this is this is a weird uh, segue to promote the podcast bonus episode. Silence! But uh, in Bad Books... No, no, no. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> you had your turn. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe it is similar to the lawsuit in the sense that he signed a contract and then breached it, opening himself up to a lawsuit but he signed the fucking contract he's it's subject to conditions he in professional ugh. ezra levant does this in shakedown as well where he's talking about these uh canadian human rights commissions doing these investigations into potential hate crimes and stuff and it's like it's the entire time levant is just comparing it to a normal court case and it's like it's not it's not that actually it's a different thing Uh, dude, you should get their name right. It's the College of Psychologists of Ontario. There's your first strike. Dumbass. Yeah, CPO. Boom. 
big mistake. Strike one, Dr. Peterson. (laughs) You're on thin ice. That's strike one. The Ontario College of Psychologists has levied a multitude of such lawsuits against me since my rise to public prominence six years ago. Although none at all in the 20 years or so I practiced as a psychologist before that. Oh, I wonder what changed between, <laughs> between now and then. Were you uh, tweeting deranged things uh, prior to your uh, public rise to prominence? Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a reference to that. Very good. I thought it was a good movie. A- again, he like Jordan compares this, you know, internal review to lawsuits. I guess to raise the stakes of what this is. Has there ever been a lawsuit in history that has been settled by someone taking social media training? These have multiplied as of late. And now number more than a dozen. This may seem like a lot. But I might point out that it is difficult to communicate with as many people as I do and to say anything of substance without rubbing at least a few of them the wrong way now and then. That's pretty gross. Um, it's really easy to not say the things that he said. We went through the list of items that were listed as sort of the transgressions of uh, Dr. Peterson. And I can tell you, I've never said any of those things. Like, and I, I'm on Twitter a lot. I tweet too much. Um, somehow I managed not to say really hateful, shitty things. You don't tweet 100 times a day? No, I don't tweet 100 Repeti- times a day. Repetitively at the same person? Who's not the food professor? (laughs) (laughs) I honestly relate to Dr. Peterson in that regard, where it's like, I view my tweets as an art form for an audience of one myself. And it's like, why is no one liking this tweet about how dark forces two is like serving? Like nobody like, but that's, that's my problem. Right. It's, it's a, it's a question of choosing your targets, right? If you are gifted as a, as an artist on Twitter, you can either talk about, you know, CD-ROM games from the 90s, or if your audience is exclusively people who will show up to try and arrest Justin Trudeau, egging them on. Do you remember that guy who was like, I drove to Justin Trudeau's house, and I was like, sir, you're on notice. Get get in the car. Get We're the- I'm taking you to the freaking station. Get in the van. Yeah, um, I, I feel the same way about my tweets. I'm a bit of an artist. Uh, my new my new genre of tweet is uh, fake BattleBots promos that I, I've come up with, and uh, I mean I'm I'm trying to find the audience for that, but it's a uh, for my fun. crimes I have been sentenced to a course of mandatory social media communication training with the college's so-called experts. I am to do this at my own expense. Uh, hey, doctor, uh, how, how much money do you make a year? It's none of your beeswax! <laughs> and for That's a good. length That's of good. time that is to be determined only by those retraining me and profiting from doing so, 
How will this be determined? When those very re-educators, those experts, have convinced themselves that I have learned my lesson and will behave properly in the future. So this is this is a fun paragraph because this is Jordan projecting um, or like launching an accusation at the uh, the College of Psychologists that they're you know profiting off of this somehow. They're using this to raise their profile and make some money off of the good doctor, right? But the person who's trying to profit off of this is very clearly Jordan Peterson. Like this is this is him trying to make money off of the same old grift that he's been doing for the last six seven years right like it's it's yeah and I, I like how he's trying to spin it as like the people who are these like consultants who are being like paid to retrain him are the grifters which i think there's some truth to like what the fuck is a social media consultant and like get a real job but <laughs> well it's usually like a 23 year old who um fell into that kind of job like i I've done some social media work. I wasn't very good at it. I'm sure there's much better people than me. But, um, I mean, media training is like the lightest slap on the wrist. And this guy is just fucking crying about it. In multiple columns, in multiple spaces, he had a rally in Toronto with like 20 of the saddest, saddest people in the entire world there. I think the only like journalist of note that showed up uh, the night scrawler himself, Joe Warmington, which is very funny. Have we considered that Jordan Peterson had the same vision that a young Paul Atreides had of the jihad that be, that would be waged across the stars in his name? And now he is like trying to avert that terrible future, but also realizes he's destined to, you know, enact it. I think that's, I am going to go with that insight to the good doctor. At this point, it's almost a certainty, right? It's a foregone conclusion that he also is <laughs> part of something larger than himself. But I think he's he's still of the mind that he can make money off of it rather than, you know, trying to slow down the, the uh Doctor, um, thank you so much for being here. But could you, like, skip down a little? Um, like, we've already been through the sorts of tweets that <laughs> have made the college mad and that um, the ones you list in, in, in the story aren't um, aren't actually what's in the complaints well i knock you in the face <laughs> but okay it's past my bedtime every single one of these accusations <laughs> and now accepting evidence of professional misconduct is independent of my clinical practice which by the way has all right, let's just pretend. Wow, fuck, Doctor Peterson. He just he just left the call. He died. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he had to return yeah, to his, his home planet. Yeah, there was a a pungent mist that emanated uh, wow. into the room, and then he vanished. Uh, and there's just a stain on the wall now that's human shaped. Yeah. But it was it was to his credit, it was very good of him to to join us, right? Like he's got, obviously got very tough skin. Absolutely. Um, you know, he's not a hysterical baby. Um, and you know, um, I appreciate the time we had with him. Sounded interesting. He's got to drink some water. Keep that keep that throat slick. Keep that voice working. 
Yeah. It's weird that he screamed the entire time. It's understandable. He's very upset. Yeah. Hold on. Like, let, give the guy a break. All right. <laughs> Anyways, Evan, do you want to take over for the good doctor <laughs> since he's uh, left us? Oh, sure. <laughs> Start from uh, every single one of these accusations. I think I'll go with more of a mean girl voice for him. Okay. Um, okay. Like this, this isn't necessarily the good doctor saying it, but this is his mentality. Every single one of these accusations and now accepted evidence of my professional misconduct is independent of my clinical practice, which, by the way, has been suspended <laughs> since 2017 when my rising notoriety or fame made continuing as a private therapist practically and ethically impossible. So what are you what are you crying about? He's too famous. That's literally he, he grinded too hard. Every single accusation is not only independent of my clinical practice, but explicitly political. And not only that, unidirectionally explicitly political. Get an editor. That is so stupid. Every single thing I have been sentenced to correction for saying is insufficiently leftist politically. I'm simply too classically liberal or even more unforgivably conservative. He admitted it. Oh my god. But like this is this is also a very telling paragraph, right? This is Jordan Peterson being like I haven't practiced like as a therapist for half a decade because I don't need to because I make a lot of money um making people angry. Like he doesn't need this. This is not an attack on his livelihood. Um this is uh indignation that someone would have the audacity to correct him for his shitty behavior in public, right? Well, whatever, man. We talking about practice, right? <laughs> but also, you know, when someone says something and you're like, "That is unidirectionally, explicitly political." That's something I'm always. You know when you say that. that? <laughs> you know, he like loves adjectives. You know when you're hanging out with your human being friends and you're saying things with uh, with several adjectives on top of it. It's incredible. It's such a terrible writer and such a stupid man. Um, but he was here in this room and he sounded so, so unwell. <laughs> Shall I continue? Yes, please. For criticizing our prime minister and his cronies and peers, for retweeting Pierre Polyev, the leader of the official opposition in Canada, official is not capitalized, and for holding and for daring to express reprehensible political views, I have now been convicted by the College of Psychologists of harming people in some manner serious enough to justify my forced re-education. He's literally going to the gulag for going to a seminar. <laughs> now that I have refused, I will definitely face further uh, exceptionally public, demanding time-consuming, and expensive disciplinary action, including the suspension of my license. This despite the fact that none of the people whose complaints are being currently pursued were ever clients of mine, or even new clients of mine, or even knew or were acquainted with any of the people they claim I am harming. This despite the fact, and please attend to this, that half of the people who levied such complaints falsely claimed that they had in fact been or currently are clients of mine, uh, and That's, then is that true? I have no clue. Uh, it, well, he uh, yeah, because he doesn't have any. I am clients. just yeah. astounded at how 
this dude lays it on so thick. No one has ever been more persecuted than Jordan Peterson. The most exceptional, exceptionally public, demanding, time-consuming, and expensive disciplinary action. This dude's just running it over in his head. Your fucking book is like the top of all bestseller lists for like three years, and you're just like so hurt about like this like minor inconvenience to your non-clinical practice. Well, to be fair, Conrad Black, who's written two uh, op-eds about this, which I guess is better than him writing about how, like, indigenous people are savages, um, uh, you know, knows has also been persecuted, right? Oh, yeah, so, that's true. true. He, he's good. Uh, he's good competition for this kind of rhetoric. But I think Jordan Peterson should become a lord of some kind. That would be awesome. Um the Good Doctor includes a tweet, uh, a Twitter exchange between him and uh, the world's greatest scientist, Elon Musk, um, <laughs> s- saying that uh, uh, Dr. Musk, because, uh, of course, he's a scientist, he's studied yeah, this, yeah, yeah. He's, of course, he has to have a doctorate. Um, he talks about how he's in big doo-doo, and this is all Justin Trudeau's fault. It may be of some interest to note that I wrote to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau this week informing him of this situation. Here is the letter for public consideration, which by necessity repeats some of which I just covered in this introduction. Amazing. Amazing editing. Kudos to you, Carson Jerema. Um, you're really earning your. <laughs> you know, this was money. definitely like a discussion. And it's like no, it has to go in. I know it's like repetitive and a complete journalistic faux pas, but we have to put the letter in full. It was Doctor Peterson's orders. I simply cannot hyperlink it. Um, I will include it in full. Um, I have an idea for this, a funny idea for how to read the letter. Am I? Do I have free reign to do this, oh, or should do. we not read the letter? Okay. Dear Prime Minister Trudeau, <laughs> this is Dr. Peterson speaking. I thought it my duty to inform you and your office of the following proceedings against me. The Ontario College of Psychologists, the provincially government, the provincial government mandated and supported professional body charged with regulating the practice of clinical psychology is requiring that I undergo a lengthy course of media training so that I more appropriately conduct my online communication. This is occurring, by the way, despite 20 years as a research psychologist at Harvard University and the University of Toronto with an unblemished behavioral reputation. My extensive clinical experience and my history of bringing psychological knowledge to people around the world. Some 15 million people currently follow me on three main social media platforms, (laughs) and the overwhelming majority of them appear to regard my words and the particular manner in which I formulate them as interesting, helpful, and productive, some real evidence to the contrary with regard to the college's accusations. I have rejected this forced re-education request and will, in consequence, soon be required to appear in front of an in-person disciplinary hearing to bring me in line. With the threat of the revocation of my clinical license and the public exposure and implied disgrace that would accompany that hanging over my head. It may be of interest to you to note (laughs) that all of the complaints against me, one, were brought by people with whom I had zero clinical contact. Two. Two, have nothing whatsoever to do with my function as a clinical psychologist except in the broadest public sense. 
and most importantly, with regards to this letter, three, three <laughs> that half of them have nothing more than political criticisms of you or the people <laughs> around you, with all the remainder being complaints generated because I dared state some essentially conservative philosophical what? beliefs. I like this. This reminds me of Bodies by Drowning Pool, and it's just like one nothing wrong with me, two nothing wrong with me, three no. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin your momentum, Evan, because this is this is such a fucking long letter. It's very very funny that this is the Ontario College of Psychologists, and he mentioned that is a proficient like it's like uh, overseen by the province, and he uh, emailed the prime minister. Like I don't want to journal Dale here a little bit, but. Um, there's a there's a little bit of a jurisdictional issue here. I don't know what the prime minister can do to help you out on this one, Jordan. He's a guy who's been through a lot. Your wires are going to get crossed every once in a while. But <laughs> this is something I also do when I experience hardship in my life. I do email Justin Trudeau. <laughs> and I'm like, Justin, my shit is fucked again. Can you get me out of this? Do you yes know how or many no? followers like, sorry, I buddy. have on three social <laughs> media platforms? No overlap there. Many. Not Not accounting for bots. 15 million discrete individuals find me interesting. Mm -hmm. And that means half of that Canada I'm loves me. Yeah. Literally half. And also, that means I'm good. Also, in the fiction that I've created for this, um, this audio recording that I'm playing right now from my computer was sent to me in a in a brown envelope. It's a cassette that I'm pressing play on. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not saying this. Um it just showed up. It's a rainy day. I'm sitting at my typewriter, and this just happened to come by. Okay. 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 As the enclosed documentation indicates, I am being investigated and disciplined for, among a few other reasons, not germane to my present communication <laughs> with you, retweeting Pierre Polyev, the leader of Canada's official opposition, criticizing you, your former chief of staff, Gerald Butts. New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern <laughs> and an Ottawa City Councillor. It was it was for sure McKenney. Yeah, 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 it was, which is interesting that he doesn't refer to them by their name. Who um he also doesn't uh probably because he doesn't want you to search that he referred to them as a thing. Oh. Oh, interesting. Very very interesting. Oh, you know, like people, you know, don't want to get bogged down in the details. He doesn't want to waste the prime minister's time. Yeah. Let's just get to the facts. <laughs> it's, it's a very brief 2,000-word email. <laughs> it's just... oh, okay, I'm going to hit play on this cassette that Dr. Peterson sent me again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and objecting to the Ottawa police threatening to apprehend the children of the trucker convoy protesters. I am not suggesting or even presuming that you or any of the people associated with you had anything directly to do with this. However, the fact that it is happening and that physicians and lawyers have become as terrified as psychologists now are of their own regulatory bodies is something that has definitely happened on your watch as a consequence of your own conduct and the increasingly compulsion-based and ideologically pure policies that you have promoted and legislated. I simply cannot <laughs> resign myself to the fact that in my lifetime, I am required to resort to a public letter to the leader of my country to point out that political criticism has now become such a crime in Canada that if professionals dare engage in such activity, government-appointed commissars 
will threaten their livelihood <laughs> and present them with the spectacle of denouncement and public <sighs> disgrace. There is simply and utterly no excuse whatsoever for such a state of affairs in a free country. Jordan B. Peterson, PhD, C. Psychology, <laughs> for now, Professor Emeritus, University of Toronto. Oh my God, it must be so fucking hard, you know? Just waking up every day and just being the world's only victim. I feel for him. I mean, we live in pretty easy times right now. Everyone's sort of, you know, happy. Um, yeah. Everything's affordable. There's no war. You know, there's clean water to drink mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to people being potentially spanked on their bottom by their professional association, I think all Canadians need to stop what they're doing, read a letter that a guy wrote to the prime minister and say, this could happen to me. Cancel culture could impact me. I'm just a forklift operator. But I think if I spoke out against the woke mob 300,000 times a day, I might get in a little doo-doo. I thought that this was going to be the end of the entire piece. But, but, <laughs> so keeps like going. an entire Sorry. column after it. <laughs> so, first of all, that letter was 500 words. So, like, we've all tried to beef up our word count by adding in some extra content. And this fucking bullshit letter that was so lazily written, there's uh, bullet points in the middle of it, is followed up by several paragraphs <laughs> and multiple <laughs> bullet points. Like, like Jordan can't write for shit. Like, he can't do it. He's not a very persuasive writer. To be fair, most academics can't write. That That's, that's true. true. Yeah. But also, like, he's written books, like, that have sold incredibly well, I guess. Because and have you read them? Have you even read them? Of course not. Because I respect myself. Have you watched seven hours? Have you even watched seven hours of his YouTube videos on the Bible? I uh, didn't think you so. You can't criticize him unless you have consumed all content. I watched that entire Rogan podcast with him where he said that climate change doesn't like is impossible to track because the climate is everything. And then he also said like Jack and the Beanstalk was a story that was like a hundred thousand years old. And uh, that was it for me. That was that oh, was yeah, that was one of the stupidest me, things I had ever like listened to. I've also I've watched several minutes of him crying. If that counts. <laughs> here's the thing dr peterson i am willing to extend an olive branch and i hope you're fucking listening buddy i will cease any further goofery guffawing uh or fun making of you if you join me for a four hour long podcast on james cameron's avatar the way of water all will be forgiven if you simply accept that avatar tells the truth about our society um and that you should turn against your human masters. Um, if you see that film and you come on the <laughs> podcast with me to talk about it, peace. You know, white flag. I will not write in the National Post about you. And I will not write to Justin Trudeau about the things that you make me feel. <laughs> oh, man. He must hate the Avatar movies so much. Oh, absolutely. Like, he both loves, like, indigenous culture stuff because he's like, oh, they gave me a special name and I have like uh, some Haida art in my house. But then it's like, okay, are there any responsibilities that come with that? And how does that impact you like personally in, in your politics? He's like, well, uh, I actually have a cab to get to right now. Um, <laughs> I have to go. <laughs> look, 
the climate on Pandora is perfectly fine. I would say let the RDA do their work. The Navi can become partners in their success instead of trying to stonewall these projects. You know, it's a, it's a disgrace, really. All right. So in this next part of the column, Jordan tries to explain to us all why should Canadians care about his current predicament. And uh, I... I would say he lays out a pretty unconvincing case, but I'm happy to be proven wrong. Okay. Should I continue with the article? Yes, please. Why should Canadians who read this care, perhaps those reading in this country and elsewhere, (laughs) might ask themselves the following questions, and in all seriousness, painful as it might be to do so, requiring as it does the almost unbelievable admission that something has gone dreadfully wrong in our lovely country. Shut up. Sorry. (laughs) You have a lovely country, beautiful thighs. What nice country think... it would be a shame if something happened to it <laughs> my country has a crazy hip to waist <laughs> ratio i mean if you saw it it's like damn what makes you think that something similar won't happen to you or to someone you know and respect or even loves so the joke i just did he's doing it yeah, yeah. what makes you think you are going to continue to be able to communicate honestly with your physicians lawyers and psychologists and representatives of many other regulated professions if they are now so terrified of their regulatory boards that they can no longer tell you the truth. Oh, okay, so he knows the truth. He's reached the truth, um, and he's just trying to share it. Okay, well, that's different. I mean, if they're trying to stop the truth from getting out, then that's like, oh, my God, that's an issue, I He think. hasn't practiced in five years. Like, this didn't happen when he was talking to a client or a patient. Uh, correction, he hasn't practiced in six years. Sorry, my mistake. Please continue. What are your children, I don't have kids, so L, going to be taught when all their teachers, that's a regulated profession too, in case you didn't know, are so afraid of the woke mob that they swallow all the ideological lies that are now required of pedagogues, regardless if they believe what they are saying. And again, this is, sorry, this is a conservative mentality thing. It's always about the mouth and the throat. It's always focused on the oral experience, right? I mean, they're either being bent over a barrel, right? And then that's one phraseology they have, or things are being shoved down their throat. Um, I'm just saying it's interesting that Dr. Peterson thinks in those terms. I just think it's interesting. That's all I'm saying. And so I, the point that I was I was kind of fixating on here is like, yes, teachers are a regulated profession. And one, because it's a, it's a public sector job for the most part. There's, you know, private school teachers as well. Like the reason that Paul from the uh, infamous Canadian neo-Nazi who used to hand out like Holocaust denial literature is no longer a teacher is because of regulatory bodies. These bodies are in place to protect students from being harmed by teachers. I think... um... You know, doing frontline work, when you think about some of our most at-risk populations, wealthy psychologists with multiple book deals, uh, (laughs) I think there are honestly some people that they're invisibilized by society. Uh, And I think that's really troubling. Well, I think that's fair. Where are we going to be if we allow criticism of the public figures charged with the privilege of our governance to be grounds for the demolition of not only the critics' reputation— but their very livelihood, again, this was not about Justin Trudeau. How far are we willing to go down this road without forthright resistance? He wants a civil war. In any case, I'm not <laughs> compliant. <laughs> I'm, not, 
I'm not submitting to re-education. I am not adjusting that my I am not admitting that my viewpoints, many of which have, by the way, been entirely justified by the facts that have emerged since the complaints were levied, were either wrong or unprofessional. How? I'm going to say what I have to say and let the chips fall where they will. I have done nothing to compromise those in my care. Quite the contrary. I've served all my clients and the millions of people I'm communicating with to the best of my ability and in good faith. And that's that. And to the Well, there's literally like, no one in his care. So, yeah. I mean, that's true. In a sense, we're all in his care. We are in a baby Bjorn strapped to Jordan <laughs> Peterson's chest, and he is nursing us with his tweets. And to the College of Psychologists, I issue this challenge. I am absolutely willing to make every single word of this legal battle fully public so that the issue of my professional competence and my right to say what I have to say and stand by my words can be fought in full daylight. And you can monetize I, it. Sorry, please continue. <laughs> I would and could post all the correspondence with and accusations levied by those who complained about me and the college itself public, and will do so if the college agrees. But I can, on legal grounds justified <laughs> oh, in normal no. times, but rendered specious by the dominion of the politically correct and radical. I can't because of this, and because it is not in the interest of the college or the complainants, they are sheltering and abetting to allow it. They'll say confidentiality concerns for their refusal, because it's 100% okay for them to come after me publicly, while they and those who complained hide cravenly and cowardly behind a wall of self-serving and self-protective silence. And of course, does this does little to embolden those who have learned to weaponize college disciplinary processes and to give the accuser and his or her, or theirs, lackeys the upper hand, practically and legally. And such weaponization risks placing all our once justly trusted institutions firmly in the hands of those willing and able to manipulate them for reasons both political and personal. Jesus Christ. The sad <laughs> and sorry state of this once great dominion at the dawn of 2023. And it's still going to get worse before it gets better. I think Jordan Peterson wrote a pretty bad column here, but I, just, I wanted to get stuck in on one point where he's talking about how he's not allowed to cover any sort of consequence uh, publicly if if the, he got taken to court i don't think he would get taken to court if he like refused i think they just revoke his license and then he would try and launch some sort of lawsuit that would be like dismissed yeah and monetize it there's a sentence there where he's like you know the legal grounds justified in normal times but rendered specious by the dominion of the politically correct and radical like the concept of your enemy both being politically correct, so like very meek and and mild and just trying to correct everybody, but also radical is like it's so indicative of how he sees the world. It's like you're not letting me say the mean words, but also the things that you say are dangerous and you need to be put to death. You know, like it, it's this weird dichotomy. And I don't know how he resolves that within himself because it doesn't make any sense. It is a, the classic fascist archetype of our enemies are both all-powerful and invisible and also pathetic and weak. So, you know, both of those things are true at the same time. And instead of trying to destroy our country's glory, they are weaponizing the Ontario College of Psychologists. And I think 
we need eyes on this. You know, <laughs> we need, pe- you know, we need people watching the ballot boxes at the college to see if the people voting for Dr. Peterson's execution are registered. This is serious stuff. If he loses this, that's his life. They're going to put him in the fucking phantom zone. And we're all just acting like, oh, this is fine. He might just, you know, his next book will be even more popular. He's going to be on a floating square in space screaming for eternity. And I think that's wrong. That All of that is very true. Um, it, I think like this, the framing the argument of like, these people are trying to take away my livelihood, I think strikes a note with specific Peterson fans, um, specifically the ones holding signs about how the woke mob can't take away people's livelihoods. But like, as we've said already on this podcast, like his livelihood isn't being a psychologist. It's not even being a professor. It's pretending to be a victim. And he's honestly one of the best in the world at it. And this column just really, really, really drives that point home for me. He, I mean, he was the best in the world at it, like 2016, 2017, like nobody tops uh, his professional victimhood then. But yeah, I think he's, I mean, you know, he's lost his pizzazz. It's sad to see, really. Like, he used to have it, and now he's just playing the hits, and everyone's sort of looking around like, you know, when's the new album coming out? Like, I, where's the new sound that we're trying to find? And he's like, oh, what? You guys don't like this? So <laughs> yeah. you hate to see it happen to some of your favorite artists. Yeah, 100%. It's, a, it's actually nice to see him fade like this, though. It's this is, um, this is another thing that I find interesting about Peterson. Like, obviously, he's not a trailblazer in the realm of publicly melting down because your enemies are coming for you and you're being censored. Um, I am reminded of all of the, I'm, I'm an abolitionist. I'm reminded of all of the people stuck in Facebook jail, unjustly imprisoned in Facebook jail for crimes that maybe they were, you know, crime necessities, you know, maybe they had to steal from Sobeys and they were arrested by the food professor. Like, <laughs> you know, it's not for me to judge, but it's amazing. Cause it is like, like one of your like really frustrating coworkers or like an uncle who got locked out of his Facebook account for telling someone in like the local buy and sell group to kill themselves. Um, and now he's like, the national post is like, sir, please. The floor is yours. Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about on Peterson? Not really. I mean, just what can, what can you say about Peterson that hasn't been said already? He's a fucking con artist. And, uh, I think that's become increasingly apparent to people who aren't like, sucked into like far-right youtube algorithms i think jordan peterson is my personal superhero and i would like to see him join the mcu i i would too reno any any notes on peterson constructive criticism feedback chill out man stop taking yourself so seriously (laughs) like you've you've done pretty okay financially and you're not like a messiah that's a good place to leave it on because I'm sure he won't hear this, but he does need to chill out and shut the fuck up. Moving on from Jordan Peterson, we should really do a palate cleanser. So, Evan, 
we are going to start our final segment of the show, which we blatantly ripped off of Kino Lefter's uh, recomradations. We call it Plugs and Recs, where we talk about something good that we consume that isn't a national post column. So like a, a video game or a movie or a podcast or a column or anything at all. I'm going to let you start off. Have you seen anything in the last little bit that you think our audience would enjoy? Uh, I have, but I'm thinking musically right now. Uh, I'm in a I'm in a music space, so I'm going to recommend two albums. Uh, one came out last year. One came out, I think, at the very beginning of this year, but who's to say? The first one is Tovlo's album Dirt Femme, which rules so much. I highly recommend the song to die for because she uses like a crazy frog song and fucking destroys it. It's so good. And the other one is the new SZA album. Uh, I think it's SOS. That album is so good. It's just immaculate work. Every song is a total bop. You got Don Tolliver on there for a feature, Phoebe Bridgers, musically lyric wise, like everything SZA does. I want to hear it. So those are my two wrecks. All right, so I'm going to pass it over to Jeremy. Jeremy, what do you got? I've been playing uh, Mario and Rabbids. That uh, is a game I really like. Um, I think it's underrated. Uh, I like that. It's like a strategy game. You know, really makes you think. It's like great, like mind puzzles with cute little characters um, shooting people and... Uh, stomping on them i i recommend it uh mario plus rabbits it's called um sparks of hope sparks of hope exactly i was about to say that and uh yeah it's a great great little game i co-sign that one it's a great choice awesome well i'm gonna go with marino marino what do you got for us uh yeah i recently um i've done stuff uh, I watched I watched the first <laughs> season of Chainsaw Man, and that was excellent. A very good. I'm gonna say sort of almost like a meta shonen, and it's over the topness and just like uh, unrelenting. Like I don't want to give away too much, but it's very it's very anime. Like, but it's uh, it's good. It's good for it. And then uh, I've also been in a musical space, spurred by my discovery of the. Uh, the needle drop the youtuber anthony fantano who i don't know he just has a lot of recommendations and it's got me to get that spotify cue going i listened to mr morale and the big steppers uh drilled music and zion is a new lupe fiasco album which is quite excellent and like sylvana estrada some like mexican folk and those were all just wrecks on his like 2020 best of list so yeah yeah just going from there some really really good recommendations i like it when you guys come up with stuff and i'm like i'm gonna check that out i'm gonna do i mean the coward's way out and i'm gonna one recommend a kino lefter right away great show i am a patron of the kino uh the kino family i like to call it the kino family hosted by evan the kino sphere kino sphere when you're here your family yes. And, of course, we've all been on Kino Lefter. We had a great episode on Alex Jones' documentary where he's just like, I actually shouldn't get sued by the Sandy Hook families, and here's why. It's very funny. But also, I think The uh, Orchard is one of the best Canadian news substacks out there right now. And, Jeremy, you have had an incredible 
incredible month of content coming out between your piece on Jordan Peterson's grift that keeps on giving to Sylvain Charlebois to everything else that you have covered on your Substack. It's been incredible to watch and I feel like you're getting the attention that you deserve. The the medical assistance in dying piece that I mean has got you a whole bunch of attention because it was so incredibly well written. Honestly, like if you're not subscribed to that already, uh you're sleeping on it and if you're not giving him money, you're a thief more than anybody yeah, stealing exactly. from a grocery store. Stop stealing from Jeremy. Your money belongs to me. Yeah, give it to Jeremy. So he can continue writing this stuff and he can continue making this podcast because we love Jeremy here at the Big Shiny Takes Institute. That's my recommendation after Kino. That's it for me, folks. I talked too much this episode. Um, I love you all very much. Uh, 2023 is going to be a big year for the Big Shiny Takes Institute. We're looking at some support from uh, various groups to maybe make a bigger splash in the pond. I mean, I can't talk too much about that, but... Uh, Evan, it was a pleasure to have you on today. Thank you. And I think uh, the name you're referring to is, uh, well, I'll just say, Sorge Joros well, let's... <laughs> uh, might be uh, contributing to the show a little bit. Well, let's uh, let's not count our chickens before they hatch. Let's say mm. we've got a lot, a lot of money coming in from the World Economic Forum, though. <laughs> Facts. Yeah. All that Raytheon cheddar. Oh, hell yeah, baby. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Bye. It's Big Shiny Takes, the only anti-free speech podcast. Big Shiny Takes, reading garbage for your brain. It's Big Shiny Takes, with Jeremy, Eric, and Marino. Big Shiny Takes, are sure to entertain, are sure to entertain.